Well, you know, it is getting ready to be New Year's, and, and the question I'd like to ask you is a simple one. And that is, if, if money were no object, and you knew that you could not fail, how would you spend your life in 2014? If money were not an object, you had all the money you needed, and you knew you would not fail at what you decided to do, how would you invest your life in 2014? And that's going to be our focus for today, to see if, as a group here at TBA, we can answer uh, that question. If you need me, that's my contact information. I'm around, or just call uh, the, the, the church office. We're going to start in the beginning. You know, my favorite football coach of all time was Vince Lombardi on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. And one time after a particularly difficult loss, he took his men into the locker room on Monday after uh, the, the terrible loss, and he said, all right, men, we're going to start in the beginning. And he held up a ball, and he said, this is a football. Well, we're going to start today in the beginning. This is a Bible and the Bible starts with the book of Genesis. Say Genesis. Genesis comes not from the Hebrew. The Hebrew title is actually the word Bereshit. That's what it looks like in Hebrew. It reads from right to left. Bereshit means in the beginning. And oftentimes in Hebrew literature, they will take the first word or two or first line, and that will be the title of the book. So in Genesis, the book starts out Bereshit, bara, Vashem, Elohim, and then it goes on. Uh, Wait a minute, I'm going the wrong direction. This is a pointer. Okay. In the Greek, the word there is genao, G-E-N-A-O, uh, and that's how it looks in English, and it means to give birth or to begin. And in Exodus, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 2, it talks about this is the book of beginnings, and that's where we get the, the English title for the book is the book of beginnings. You with me? Because everything begins in Genesis, beginning with the creation itself. All things start in Genesis. Written by Moses, we believe, somewhere between 1450 and 1400 B.C., so written about 3,500 years ago. And Moses' goal is to provide us with a quick overview of uh, the early chapters of Genesis, and then he gets a little more detailed in the latter part of the book. There are basically four, I'm sorry, two, chap uh, two divisions in the book of Genesis, part one and part two. See, are you with me? Part one and part two. Part one has these four events, creation, fall, flood, and the nations begin. Say that for me. Go. Creation, fall, flood, and here's my man. He remembers it. In Genesis 1 and 2, we have the accounts of creation. So we're going to do that all together. One, two, three. Creation. Be God-like. Go. Creation. Na, 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 na. Genesis 1 and 2, the accounts of creation. Genesis 3 is the sin of man called the fall. And so we have the creation and the fall with me. Go creation and the fall. Look around, make sure everybody's doing it. Creation and the fall. If they're not doing it, niggle them right in the, in the ribs. Okay? Now because of the fall, sin entered the world. And sin was so bad that by Genesis 6 and 7 and 8, God was forced to destroy the world. And he did it the first time by sending the waters of the great flood. So now we have creation and fall and the flood destroys almost all of the world. Eight people are left and unfortunately, in a very short time, those generations multiplied, and things got so bad that in Genesis 11, God said, I wish I hadn't done all this, and the nations actually rebelled against God. They got together and they said, let us build a tower, lest we be scattered abroad. It's called the Tower of what? Babel. On a Thursday afternoon at 3.30, God confused the languages. Everybody's working on this tower with their cousins. Everybody's related. He's my cousin. And they are your cousin. 
and everybody speaks one language, and then God confuses the languages. And your cousin, which you used to be able to communicate with, you say, I need more bricks up here, and your cousin is speaking Italian. You say, I got the no more bricks. It's a Thursday afternoon. And then you go to the next cousin, you say, I need more bricks, and they're speaking Chinese. I got no bricks. I only have these chopsticks. And so it gets very confusing. And so the language groups spread out, and the nations cover the earth. So we have the creation, the fall, the flood, and the beginning of the what? Nations. With me, go. Creation, fall, flood, nations. Again, tell it to the person sitting next to you. Go. Creation, fall, flood, nations. Look at me. Don't do the signs. Creation, fall, flood, nations. Do it backwards. Nations, flood, fall, creation. What are the first four events in Genesis 1 through 11? Creation, fall, flood, and the beginning of the nations. We don't know how long that took. Don't know when the creation was. Some people think near. Some people think far. That's not our purpose today. Our purpose is to learn what's in the book of Genesis. In those early chapters of Genesis, there are a few things that help me get a handle on what is going on. Genesis 1 and 2, the accounts of creation. Genesis 3, the fall. And because sin enters the world, in chapter 4, Cain kills Abel. We go from the sin of disobedience, eating the wrong fruit in chapter 3, to the murder of a sibling, chapter 4. Now, I know we've just come through Christmas, and some of you felt like murdering siblings. Not supposed to do that. And it got really bad. God promises that he's going to replace Abel. And so at the end of Genesis 4, we read this. Adam had relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring in place of Abel. The word Seth means appointed. Okay? To Seth, to him also was born a son, and he called his name Enosh. Don't see many Enoshes around these days. But there's a very small line, and this is the last line of chapter 4, and then there's an unfortunate break there. It says, Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Say that with me. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. In the Hebrew, you're allowed to translate this this way, and I prefer it. I think what it says is, Then men began to be called by the Lord's name. And what I see happening in those early chapters of Genesis is a group of different city-states called by their leader. You had Nimrod, who was a great and mighty hunter, and you had the people of Nimrod. And you had the people of this guy and the people of that guy. But then you had people who were called by the Lord's name. And what God is trying to do in those early chapters of Genesis is rule on the world through people. We would call it a theocracy. God is the king and he's going to rule, first through Adam and Eve and now through Seth. And then hopefully the people of God will bring the non-people of God to faith. Unfortunately, that seldom happens. And when you get to Genesis chapter 5, it says, Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, then daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. And they said, Hubba, hubba. And they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. They bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. And what we have is the people of God, the people who are called by the name of God, beginning to intermarry with the people who are not called by the name of God. And whenever that happens in the Scripture, whenever you have a believing group intermarrying with an unbelieving group, spiritual intermarriage is forbidden because almost always 
the non-believer brings down the believer. And in this case, they produce offspring which have great qualities. They're mighty men. They're the leaders of the city-states. They, they come to be called the Nephilim. And the Nephilim are mentioned in chapter 6. It says, Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were men of old, men of renown. Some people translate Nephilim as angels. I don't believe that mankind had the ability to have sex with angels and produce offspring. Angels do not have sex. Jesus tells us that in the New Testament. But I do believe that those who were called by the Lord's name intermarried by, with people who were not called by the Lord's name, and the offspring were the Nephilim, the mighty men of old. So Nephilim can be uh, translated great men. And you have a series of city-states around and about while the people of God are dwindling in number. And so God decides to limit the age of the people at that time. And after the creation and the fall, we have the what? And the purpose of the flood, one of the purposes of the flood was to judge evil on the earth. And the second purpose of the flood was to limit the age span of mankind. Prior to the flood, people lived a long time. 300 years, 400 years, 500 years. Methuselah lived what? 969 years. You know what the word Methuselah means in Hebrew? It actually literally means when he is dead, it will come. And when Methuselah dies, the flood came. And immediately the age curve goes from hundreds of years, where God had initially created the, the world for us to live on indefinitely, down to 120. In fact, it actually goes down to about 70. The age curve asymptotically approaches zero, is what the mathematicians call it. Because God has judged sin on the earth. Now we see that in the book of Genesis, and we see specifically that the age curve goes down, and then we see an emphasis in God's program on creating for himself his own people. After the flood, only eight people were left, Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives. Now God wants to rule on the earth through his people. He wants to show the world what it's like to walk with him. And none of these national, national groups, none of these city-states stepped up and said, hey, we're going to walk with God, except the one little group. And so beginning in Genesis 12, okay, beginning in Genesis 12, we have part two of the book. You know, when I went to the theological seminary, I spent four years in college and then four years in graduate school. That was the theological seminary. And then, let's suppose, some of my guys that I went to school with went on and got a THD, not a PhD, a THD, which is three more years after my four years of getting what was basically a PhD. A THD, to get into the program, was very difficult. And you had to have written tests, and you had to have certain grade point average, and so I, there was no chance of me doing that. But a THD, to get in, you had to have an oral exam. And the oral exam consisted of a few questions, but one of the questions was this. What is the most important event in the Old Testament? The most important event in the Old Testament is in Genesis chapter 12. So if you ever need to sit for your oral exams for a THD, you've already got the first question. Got it? You're, you're good to go. And in Genesis 12, we're going to see God beginning to work his program with people as opposed to city-states. And what I want to do is I want to take our sanctuary and I want to turn it into this large map. 
Okay, we know the introduction to the Bible, creation, what the fall, then flood, then the beginning of nations. But our storyline begins 4,000 years ago. So in about the year 2000 B.C., take this map and slide it down onto the floor, and there's what we're going to do. If, right now, if, if the map is on the floor, what direction am I walking? South. south. If that's south, what's that? North. And if that's south and that's north, what's that? West. That's west and that's... Here we go. North, south, east. Say it with me. North, south, east, west. 4,000 years ago, God looked down right here. Aaron, I need you to stand, buddy. You're going to be the city of Ur. Say Ur. Ur. How do you spell that? You are, Aaron. You are Ur. Give him a big hand for that. Thanks, Aaron. All right. Stay right. You can sit. God looked down into the city of Ur. How long ago? 4,000. So we're about 2,000 B.C., okay? And he noticed that the city of Ur is near a body of water. See all you people down there where Eric Kelly is? He's treading water in the Persian Gulf. Say Persian Gulf. There's the Persian Gulf. If you were to take a sip of water out of the Persian Gulf, what would that water taste like? Good. Some said oil, but it's salt. And God, 4,000 years ago, looked down into the city of Ur, which was near the Persian Gulf, in which the water tasted like salt. And he called four people to leave her, and their names spell the word salt. S was a girl named Sarah, and she was married to our star. His name is A, Abraham. A, L was his nephew who came along. His name was Lot, L-O-T. And he took his father along. His name was Terah, T-E-R-A-H. Say it. So the key word is salt, and the four people are Sarah, Abraham, Lot, and Terah. How long ago? City of near the taste like four people. Sarah, Abraham, Lot, and Terah. Tell us to the person sitting next to you. Start with creation. Go. Creation, fall, flood, nations. How long ago? 4,000 years ago. City of near the taste like four people. God led them this direction. Okay, up between two rivers. Okay, the Tigris was over here and the Euphrates was over here. Say it, Tigris and Euphrates. You can remember it very easily. The Tigris is the river on top. Tigris, T for top, Euphrates, E for bottom. <laughs> they came up between the Tigris and the Euphrates River to my, to my stand here. Okay, and this stand is going to be the city of Haran, H-A-R-A-N. Say that. And that's a very important place. They had to stop there for a while until this happens. Terra dies, okay? If you've been through the walkthrough with me, you know where we're going, okay? How long ago? City of near the taste like four people. Sarah, Abraham, Lot, Terra came up between the and the Euphrates to the city of what happened there? Terra dies. It's important that Terra dies because he, the father of Abraham, would have been in charge of Abraham. Back in those days, you didn't leave your father, okay? And you stayed under his authority. And he did not worship the one true God, the God of the Bible. He worshiped idols. Now Terah dies, and Abraham's free to go here. And all of you people are living in the land of milk and honey, the promised land, the land of Canaan, the land of Israel. Woo! You're a, you're a blessed group right here. The land of Israel is formed by the boundaries of four bodies of water. See if I can make it go to the satellite view. Pretty cool, isn't it? Okay. I need, oh, Kayla, you stand up along with Aaron. Good. You guys are going to be the Sea of Galilee. Say that. I need for you to stand, you stand, you stand. You're going to be the Jordan River. Say that. Good. And I need two to stand. 
to you to stand and you to stand. You're going to be the Dead Sea. Don't take that the wrong way, okay? <laughs> this is the Sea of Galilee. The water flows into the Jordan River. It empties into the Dead Sea. And outside that wall, all the way over there, is the Mediterranean. Say that. And what's left is this land called the land of Israel or Palestine or Canaan or the Promised Land or the Beautiful Land, many things. But if you have any Jewish friends, you better call it the land of Israel, okay? Because that's what they call it, okay? The land of Israel is formed by the boundaries of the Sea of Jordan, River, Dead Sea, Mediterranean, land of Israel. Give them a big hand. Have a seat. Now Abraham's father is dead. He died in Haran. Terah dies. Abraham comes here to live, the promised land. And God also promised him in addition to a land that he'd have many descendants, that he'd become a great nation. And his first two children are males, and they have names that start with the letter I. This I is Ishmael, and this I is Isaac. Say this, Ishmael and Isaac. Put your right hand up here. I know it's my left hand. I'm helping you. Isaac is the right son that's God, that God is going to use to develop this new group of people that are going to walk with him and rule on the earth in his place. And so Isaac has two sons, Esau, who's a very hairy guy, and he has a twin brother who's a smoothie, whose name is Jacob. So this is Esau and Jacob. So we have four men, Ishmael, Isaac, Esau, and Jacob. So we have four bodies of water and four men. Let's do the four bodies of water, starting with the Sea of Galilee. Go. Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea, Mediterranean. Israel actually sounds like Ishmael. Israel, Ishmael. Isaac, Esau, Jacob. Abraham has two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac has two sons, Esau and Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. And we're going to finish by having you recite the names of all 12. (laughs) Eric, you start. No. We're going to start by naming the guy that is the special guy, and we're going to spend all four Sundays in January talking about the guy who got the special coat. Sometimes it's called the coat of many colors. More literally, it's a long-sleeved coat. His name was Joseph. And because of the coat, his brothers hated Joseph. So they sold him to the slave traders who took him down there to the land of Egypt. See the E on the door down there? That E is the land of Egypt. Okay? So Joseph ends up in Egypt, and then after a famine occurs in Israel, all of the Jews wearing their little skull caps, all the Jews ended up going down to Egypt, and all that is in the book of Genesis. We finished it up with four bodies of water, four people that are continuing our story, and four events that get Joseph to Egypt. Let's do that. Sea of Jordan, River, Dead Sea, Mediterranean, Israel. Sounds like Ishmael, Isaac, Esau, Jacob, Joseph, Egypt, Jews, Egypt. Stand up with me. Let's do the whole book of Genesis, and that is the whole book of Genesis. Starting with creation. Are you ready? ready? Happy New Year. Here we go. Creation, fall, flood, nations. 4,000 years ago, city of near the, tastes like four people. Sarah, Abraham, came up between the Tigris and the Euphrates to the city of what happened there? Here we go. Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea, Mediterranean, Israel. Sounds like Ishmael, Isaac, Esau, Jacob, Joseph, Egypt, 
Give yourselves a hand and have a seat. That's very good. Woo! You didn't know you were going to have to work at church today. All of that is in what book? The book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. If you had to summarize the book of Genesis, it is the book of beginnings. If you wanted to find the story of the flood, in what book of the Bible would you look? How about the story of Abraham? How about the story of Joseph? How about the story of Noah? Genesis is all in the book. From the Garden of Eden to the land of Egypt is the book of Genesis. Now the most important event in Genesis is chapter 12. So if you have a Bible, turn there. If you don't have a Bible, you can just read along up here. We're going to stay in this map, and we're going to tell the story of Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, 4,000 years ago, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house. Okay? Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house. Abraham he calls him Abram because he hasn't been renamed yet. I want you to leave behind three things. Your country, which is the land of Ur. Now let me tell you about Ur. Ur was the center of the world. They had architecture that was beyond belief. They had geometry. They had air conditioning. They had indoor plumbing. They had art. They had sculpture. They had the hanging gardens of Babylon. It's all in what is Iraq today. Very advanced civilization. And Abram, I want you to leave there and go somewhere. Okay. At least I'd say, where? Imagine Abraham comes home and he says, Sarah, God appeared to me. And Sarah says, oh, pretty cool. Yeah, he wants us to move. And Sarah says, great, where? And he says, I don't know. <laughs> Men, never say to your wife, I'm thinking about moving. It's one of the worst things you can say to a woman. When I say, at least with my wife, when I say I'm thinking about moving, she wants to know where what color the carpet is, where the furniture is going to fit, when the movers will be here, her mind starts going into overdrive. Sarah got up and left. But this takes place actually while they're up here. You know, you can translate that. Now the Lord had said to Abram, leave. Why was that? Because he wanted him to leave not just his country, but his relatives and his father's house. It's a very important passage in Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24 comes after the Jews come out of Egypt, which is 400 years later than we just took them down there. It says, Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, From ancient times your fathers lived beyond the river, meaning beyond the river Euphrates. You with me? Namely, Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and they, what? Served other gods, uh-oh. And again, in their world, you lived with your father. You lived next to your father. You took up the family business, and you didn't dare disobey your father. So prior to Genesis 12, God had said, Abraham, leave, and leave your relatives, which he didn't do, and leave your father's house, which he didn't do, and he gets stuck in Haran. He had to stay there till Terah dies. See, here's the deal. God wants to bless us. We are his children. He has sent Jesus to die for us. We are children of the king of the universe, but he cannot bless us unless we are obedient to him. And Abraham was not able to receive the land and receive the blessing of children until he was completely obedient to God. So as you head into 2014... Maybe God's asking you, hey, I want you to give something up. 
and you just have that still small voice. You've read in Scripture and you've sought counsel and you've prayed about it. Maybe, maybe God said, hey, I need you to stop doing something. That's okay. Be completely obedient. Because if not, you don't get the blessing. Here's the cool thing. When you go back to Genesis 12, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I'll show you. God never asks us to walk away from something without hooking us up to something else. You've been in Ur, but I'm giving you the promised land. Don't be tied to Ur when there's a promised land out there. You're going to get a land which I will show you. And he says, I will make you a great nation. This is pretty cool because Abraham has no children. And in their world, you were nothing unless you had children. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, all, watch this, in you, Abram, all the families of the earth will be what? Blessed. Isn't that cool? This is so cool that oftentimes God calls himself the God of Abraham. Isn't that neat? Because Abraham was willing finally to be completely obedient. God was able, able finally to bless him completely. What is it that God would have you do in 2014 as a part of his blessing in your life? Abraham proceeded from there, verse 8 the mountain on the east of Bethel and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. Say Ai. How do you spell that? I love that place. Ai on the east. And there he built an altar, watch, to the Lord and he called upon the name of the Lord. If you're writing in your Bible, write down Genesis 4:26. That's the same exact Hebrew phrase as when men began to be called by the Lord's name. It was at that point that Abraham said, yep, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be called by the Lord's name. I'm going to be God's representative in my world. See, God has always wanted to rule in the world through people. And, of course, we rule by serving. We rule by loving. We rule as followers of Christ in a spiritual kingdom because we wait for the earthly kingdom. But Abraham is called by the Lord's name. God calls himself the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. How cool would it be if people could look at us and say, there's a God at work at TBA. I want to know the God of TBA. There's a God at work in the life of Ed Diaz. I want to know the God of Ed Diaz. God is willing to put our names on his reputation. Isn't that amazing? If we're willing to be completely obedient to him, Incredible blessings are possible. And that's why when you study Abraham in Genesis 12, he says, leave your country, leave your family, leave your father, but don't just leave stuff. I'm going to give you stuff. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to give you descendants like the stars in the sky, and I'm going to make you a blessing to the families of the earth. By the way, that's a helpful thing when you're disciplining children. Never give them a no without also giving them a yes. No, you may not play with the burner on the stove, but yes, you can play with your new truck. It's called refocusing. God never takes away something without giving us something that's better in its place. And so often it's like, well, I really want to be obedient to God, but I'll have to give up 
sports. I'll have to give up TV. I'll have to give up video games. I'll have to give up friends. I'll have to give up. No, God doesn't say give them up without replacing them in a better way. What is it God would have you leave behind from 2014 into 2014? And we again, we go back to the question, if finances were not an issue and you knew you could not fail, how would you invest your life in this coming year? You know, I, I never know if I'm going to make it to the next year or not. I still not. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. As my wife says in the will, cremate us and be kind to the ashes. My, my, my wife and I picture the different things my kids and our my kids are going to do to my ashes. But you know, if finances were not an issue and you knew you could not fail, how would you invest your life? Because this may be the last new year you get. You know, there are people missing today that were here, alive and well, a year ago. And we grieve that we're not with them, but we rejoice if they know the Lord. Some of us sitting here will not be here as we enter into 2015. This may be the very last New Year you celebrate. You want to make it a great year, don't you? In fact, if God showed up at lunch today and said, you know, 2014 is your last year on the earth, how are you going to invest this year? How are you going to do that? So as the band comes, I'd like you to pray about those, those two questions. I ask this question a lot of times of businessmen. If, if money were no object and you knew you wouldn't fail, how would you invest your life? And I've never had a situation where a man didn't say, you know, I'd do it in some kind of service. I'd become a volunteer at an old folks' home. I'd become a volunteer in a school. I'd coach. I'd mentor young people. I never have anybody say, well, finances were no issue and I couldn't fail. I'd make more money. We are fulfilled when we serve. Birds fly, fish swim, but people are fulfilled when they serve. God has created us to serve him. He wants to be our God, and people in watching us serve our God are drawn to him the way they were to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And we're going to see over the next four Sundays how they were drawn to Joseph because of a man who was willing to be completely obedient. Pray with me if you would. Father, we thank you for... Abraham and his willingness to leave behind things that were important to him but not so important that he wouldn't obey you. And it wasn't without error and it wasn't without trial. He stopped at Haran for a while. But in the end you were able to bless him because he was completely obedient to you. I pray that as a church family that you would find us obedient so that you can pour out your blessings on us this year. That people in our community might be drawn to you because of the love that you have for us and the love that we have for each other. Thank you for this time and this good new year. In Jesus' name.